Welcome to Knock On Podcast, where we bring you archery information and education that you can trust. Knock On was created as a way to bring all archers together, regardless of the brand you choose or the style of archery you shoot. Knock On Podcasting will deliver professional insights to the latest gear, proper shooting technique, along with high-level equipment setup and tuning. <laughs> Did you guys game? Over we used game. to, yeah. Yeah, some of the guys, Call I, of Duty. I would always freak Did out. You really? I, I didn't. I just watched. I sucked at yeah, it. I'd, I'd do the C-130 on call fire and just fucking murder everybody. Just buzzing around. Yeah. <laughs> How close to, like, what you'd r- really see was it? Those new games are pretty close, but uh, I can't, my hand-eye coordination, because what I want to do, what I see, <laughs> I can't do with my thumbs right. on a controller. Too small? So Your thumbs are too small? Yeah, that's what she said. <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, it gets it gets frustrating, so I give up. Then I just fly the airplane and kill everything. Well, dudes, you murder thumbs. Yeah, <laughs> we murdered the course today. Bert, I always feel small next to you. Same. That's why you put them over there. Huh? I, I mean, I am totally out of shape right now. <laughs> I feel like Vito <laughs> needs Got a, a couple pillow. books over here <laughs> to sit on. <laughs> yeah, I think we're like equally the same size, and both of us are always like, I think you're bigger than me. I feel that way. Yeah. I, for, I forget who I saw the other day where when I looked at him, I was like, oh, my gosh. There was someone that was like 6'11". Oh, I know okay, where he was. He was bigger than you, though. But actually, Brock was there. <laughs> no, we were, in, um, we were in an outback. And I was trying to pay. My buddy was trying to pay. We're both trying to pay. And then I just gave the card. And I said, I go, I said, well, tallest person in here gets it and she's just like oh well that's that guy and like points to the booth behind me and I go what I kind of turned around and he (laughs) didn't look that big and I was just like I don't think so and then she's just like she's like Billy or something (laughs) freaking this dude stands up comes over and she's like he said the tallest guy has to pay he's like well that's me and I and I like got out and stood up and then just like my head barely got to his like his Adam's apple (laughs) and I was like yeah you win he's just like well give me a hug and I mean dude (laughs) he did what you like to do to people and pull their face into the chest like a child he totally did he freaking glassed me dude just freaking snuggled me in. You went arms over the shoulder to kind of push you down. Oh, yeah. yeah. Dominant, little domination move. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And he was, he was big. Like, his skin was all red. You know, he was, oh, he was man, jacked. <laughs> he had that, like, you know, that, that hot fire skin. Right. Yeah. Right. He, he was on some, some yeah. goodies. Yeah, some he was, s- he was running a little rich. <laughs> yeah, he was running hot on something. Vitamin S. Um, but yeah, dudes, we just murdered the knock-on course. We did. Day one at the tack. What do you guys think? I mean, I got to get Bert and I have been able to enjoy it for a while. So, yeah, who should go for Terry? What do you think? I because you're a little a bit time. more developed as an archer, I would say. Yeah, You've I've got, blossomed. I've got 30 years of bad habits, so it was, it was <laughs> challenging. And have you been shooting that long, really? Yeah, I started shooting archery when I was 15. I got my first bow, dad gave it to me when I was 15. I thought you were way older. What than was that. it? I thought you were 15 now. <laughs> yeah. I just look like it. Yeah. Miles haven't caught up. It was a golden eagle, an old golden eagle. Like what? Hawk know. hunter? Wooden limbs with the no, black riser? No, it was black, all black you know, with the teardrops and all that kind of stuff. It was. Did it have you know, the, the wooden laminate limbs? I don't think Do so. You remember? It was black glass limbs. Yeah, because they had like 
they had black limbs with like, didn't they have like a gold flake paint or yeah. something? Yep. Big gold. Yeah, dude. Gold I had gold. one of those. I wish I still had it. From- yeah. Yeah. What was your first bow? I thought mine was called like a hawk hunter or something. My first bow that I got for myself or the first bow that my dad didn't like and gave to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Well, the one he gave to you. Yeah. Well, it was that one. It was that one. And I was jealous of it for a long time. I could never pull it back. But I remember going in the backyard and I could put my feet on the riser and I could pull the string back. So I would Did just you do tap. that too. Oh, dude, just I'd try to fire. It. No, no. Oh, I'd, like lay back. I would oh, do yeah. this and then I'd freaking just launch it up in the back. <laughs> and it, and yeah, everybody's backyards were in a line and it would just. Hail Mary. It'd just come down like somewhere. 12 or 15 houses down. Yep. And I'd freaking run down there and grab that sucker. <laughs> You know, just I did the same exact thing. Complete idiotic over the, the cul de sac yeah, into my buddy's yard, James Chapel's <laughs> front yard. I mean, if I went in the backyard and Harry was doing it right now, I'd want to say like, "What are you thinking? That's so stupid." But I'd just be like, oh, "Yep, mm-hmm. yeah, karma." Aim it, aim it that way toward yeah. the yeah. Tree, like lawn tree line. Yeah, lawn darts are a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. How tough were people back then when lawn darts were yeah. like a thing? I put a lawn dart through a car hood. <laughs> my my dad got lawn darts and we lived right on the corner like in a busy neighborhood right on the corner and he was I kept saying like I want to do it but I couldn't throw it very far because I was like maybe eight or nine I couldn't throw it very far and him and my uncle were getting pissed because you know it's kind of like people that come out here and they're shooting the long shots well at least then you can walk up with your kid and shoot the short one but I'd make them stop so I could go up and like <laughs> throw it like five yards. And he'd just be like, man, you can throw it harder than that. He'd be, and he, he had me go back to the other ring and he's like, he's like, throw it, throw it, give it everything. Damn it. <laughs> so I just tried to freaking huck that thing as hard as I could and let go like right up here and threw it up and behind me. <laughs> and it came down right <laughs> into that road, right on oh. the freaking Dude, it, like a smoke, car. it smoked a Caprice Classic like <laughs> right in the hood. And they're like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I stuck my grandpa in the back with a normal metal dart once. Oh, we, we were pretty poor, so we couldn't afford lawn darts, but we had, the metal, we had, <laughs> we had those metal have? ones and uh, throw just those normal metal ones. And they were like, oh, you're way too young to play with these. I was like, dude, come on, come on. It's me you. and my sister. My mom's, I think, across town working at her office. And he's like, no, like, I waited till he left, got him off the shelf, you know, went outside and me and my sister throwing him at the tree <laughs> comes out like, what are you doing? Like, uh, nothing hiding behind my back. And obviously he catches us and <laughs> give him to me. He takes him. He's pretty old, like a little hunched over. And I, we give him all except one held behind my back and he's walking away and I just got angry and threw it in the air, came down right between his back, right stuck in the back. <laughs> oh. And I was like. Oh no! <laughs> and I was like, I was like, oh man, dad and mom better not. And, but he like he didn't trust me to pull it out, and he couldn't reach it. <laughs> he couldn't reach it, Dude. and he didn't trust my sister. She, I was probably you know five or six. Sounds didn't like trust the, my sister. Sounds like the movie Envy. We got to get on the phone, call my mom from across town to drive over and pull it out his back. Like, <laughs> so you got penetration on that. Oh yeah, dude. It you stuck. almost had a pass through. It stuck, dude. It was a real lucky shot, you know. It was, uh, <laughs> old, talent. It was old man just couldn't reach it, man. I I got I got whooped. Bad. <laughs> Did you ever I'm see good that at darts movie? now. Did you ever see the movie Envy with Ben Stiller and Jack Black? Mm. You have uh. to look for it. It's really good. It's it's about um so Ben Stiller and Jack Black are like 
best friends live next to each other and but they always are trying to come up with an idea of like having something that isn't their shitty job that they've got so (laughs) jack black keeps coming up with these like stupid things and so one time they pull up to a stop sign they see a dog take a dump (laughs) and they see the guy like have to grab it with a plastic bag and they're like oh so jack black said you know, you know what'd be cool is if there was like a spray. Oh, it's the poo be gone. Vaporize. Yeah, vaporize. <laughs> it's so good, dude. They're business partners. So they're, they're, they're like, he's like, where's the shit go? You just spray it. And he's and like, it disappears. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, no one knows, but it doesn't matter. But anyway, oh, it's so good. Uh, Christopher Hawkins is in it, and he's like this hobo that's given terrible advice to Ben Stiller <laughs> and he's the one that gets him envious and tells him to pretty much like get back ruin his business and so over. Ben Stiller loses it like towards the end of the movie he just falls off the deep end and he's like pissed and Jack Black had this cool like little archery range he's and he's nice envious house. of it so he just grabs a bow and pulls back and just like shoots and he ends up smoking Christopher Hawking's like right in the back. <laughs> and he can't reach it. <laughs> he's gonna kill his horse or they something. Have too. Like yeah, he uh, kills his beautiful white stallion. Yeah, what was he called? <laughs> Smokey. <laughs> Smoke Smokey, dude. Uh, it's, it's funny, man. Where does it end up? I forgot where it ends up. Like, does it all? It doesn't all come back. Or it's it's just taking it and putting it somewhere else. Or well, something, the, right? yeah, they don't know where it goes, but. Um, Somehow or another, they like get derailed and they, you know, people, you know, they're like protesting like, where's the shit go? (laughs) So they end up like, they lose, they lose the business. And then at the end, like Ben Stiller comes up with the idea of a pocket flan. So they had flan in like toothpaste (laughs) tubes. It sounds, stupid. <laughs> sounds delicious. It's a good movie. I haven't seen that one in a while, man. <laughs> Vapu rise. You need to have like uh, something that took darts out of your granddad's back. If you spray yeah, it yeah it. not me. <laughs> if uh, they had those like robot claws, uh-huh. like what your grandma uses to get the cans off the right. top. With like, like a 90 degree bend in it. <laughs> yeah, they could. A J hook on it. Maybe the, the little like air, back air, in that era, puller. that would be something my grandpa would like invent. He'd be like, hey, this is like that claw, but it has like a push button 90 degree turn on it. So if you have to get something out of your back, <laughs> you can do it. Like your dart from your grandkids. My grandpa always got mad that his shoes would get all like his legs and shoes would get wet when he'd try to like go out and get ducks. You know, like, <laughs> so he, he was trying to make these big, like canoe, like kind of canoes to go on your feet. They're like snowshoes made out of styrofoam. And he was, he was like convinced that this was going to be his big invention. Versus so he would be out on our, the pond, like trying to like Huge walk band. forward. Yeah. Trying to go with these and then he'd wipe out. Yeah. He had these big like foam canoe shoes. Just not going anywhere. Sloshing back and forth. Need a little fan. Really wipe. Oh, oh, on your back. Little props on the back. Single. Yeah, like little water scans like yeah. your skis. Yeah. That would be the See, like the dad on Gremlins that had all the wacky... Oh, that's the best, dude. (laughs) Yeah, the one square thing inside the spoon. Oh, shaving. The toothpaste shoots out. (laughs) No, that's uh, not Gremlins. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Gremlins, the dad. Because that dude got gizmo. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Because he goes in that that Asian shop down below, and that's where they find gizmo, and he's trying to like, hey, do you want to buy it? I want the Goonies. Goonies, the one kid, his dad was a Data. Oh the, yeah, they, they, the 80s were good for yeah, inventions. Yeah. Yeah. I was somewhere yeah. on vacation and we like came around the corner and we were on a boat and they said, uh, 
Yeah, that rock out there is the rock from Goonies. That organ? Probably. It's an organ, right? Nice. The actual, like, where Willie was, like, where Willie came out? Where Willie. Is that where it was? I think it was North Coast. Yeah, it's either North Coast, Cali, or Oregon. It's Oregon. Somewhere up in there. Yeah, I don't know where I was. I remember, like, going one time, and that they told us that. Some of that's actual footage, I heard. Actual footage of what? A real pirate ship. Real pirate ships? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly what that pirate the ship looked like. <laughs> the treasure was real. Yeah. No. So you guys saw so it. Sloth. <laughs> so Terry, your first bow was a golden eagle. Oh yeah. And then that was a rabbit hole we went down there. Yeah. How old were you? Fifteen. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And then, uh, what was that like? Did you start hunting right away? Or I did. So I shot my first deer when I was fifteen, and that just hooked me. Yeah. So that Christmas, my dad got my In bow. In Indiana, then yeah. too. Yep. That got my bow, and that next year, archery hunting, and shot my first doe that winter, and it's just been all downhill since. Jeez. Wow. I got that jalapeno juice in my eyeball right now. <laughs> I feel like someone pepper sprayed me. <laughs> Beto, when did you start uh, When did you start bow hunting? Or shooting? Like four or five years ago. Is that when you started? Yeah, I kind of sure. did. Uh, I hunted a couple times in the teams, and then when I got out, I went up to Colorado and did one hunt shot my first elk for some reason i feel like i feel like you and i were already communicating then it was been you know just very you uh, were just in and you're like dude i just shot a bull or something and then you i was that first year with with that was four or five years ago was the first year okay i I only did one year with rifle and then i just switched to bow okay you know but i i grew up like Skinning animals, and we had a, a neighbor named Mr. Klebe, and he had a bunch of chickens, so anytime raccoons and foxes, and he got a bear one time, going to shoot him, we get that call, and roadkill, so we were just skinning animals, my older brothers, being in the outdoors, Native American culture and stuff, and but we were vegetarian, so like we didn't eat meat, my mom and dad. Were you really? Yeah, so that's why I hit puberty like 18, you know, real late. Um so, but they were always doing like raccoon jerky and making me eat all sorts of crazy shit. Raccoon yeah. jerky. Oh man, uh, yeah. My older What's brothers. that taste like? Ass. <laughs> trash. <laughs> it tastes like a trash panda. They even like have skunks. My brothers like, <laughs> like wrapping mask on their face, like we're skinning a skunk. I'm like, oh man. And then they'd make me like do the, you know, pull the guts out. All right, well. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, down the road, you know, that first elk with the rifle up in Colorado and then the next year I got in the bow and I didn't get to go that year so the following year is when I got up to Colorado again and, and really started bow hunting and coming into Texas here. What made you get into it? Had it, Was Andy hunting then yet or like um, vocal about it? Not not particularly. I can't remember. You know, I just wanted to hunt. I like, I've always been an outdoorsman and always yeah. backpacked all over yeah, the states. Yeah, it seems States. like it totally suits I've your life. I've been fishing like big fish and stuff for a long time all over so yeah, you fish a lot more than I yeah. than I thought initially fish a lot spear fish and just I think you know I don't like being in the city I like being out in the wilderness I like to have healthy food I like putting bringing home food filling deep freezers I love cooking so I do that all my friends yeah. we're doing like a wild game dinner when I get back and like six seven different types of wild game you know and oh yeah we do that with Terry kind of are fun. you going out yeah I head back to San Diego for a little bit and then back out again in May for a few weeks so are you totally out? Yeah, I retired th- almost three years ago, 2018. But you're done, done. You're not, like, going back to... I still do some contract work. Okay. Yeah. Training, training contract, not the overseas rent-a-cop stuff. 
That's what it's called. Yeah. Playing soldier. Yeah. They're mall cops. Have you elk hunted yet, Terry? Yeah. Yeah. I, first elk hunt was 2005. Oh, damn. So we, Lee, my buddy and I, we finally packed up and said, we're going out west. This was after my third third or fourth deployment. Like, hey, we, I need a couple weeks just to decompress. So we went yeah. out to Colorado and wife's like, yep, go ahead. And that was the same weekend that Katrina hit while we were on the mountain. Oh, damn. So we went out, gas was like 90 cents, and it was home, <laughs> $2 or whatever it was. But Couldn't get home. Yeah, but we uh, we ran over the mountains and had a couple elk in range, which was kind of cool for Colorado over the counter. And it's addicting after that, having those things yeah. scream in your face. And Yeah. And I, I think I it, shot too. my first elk in 08. That's my first one. Do you still love whitetail, though? I do. It's It's challenging when I go from... September elk hunting where I'm chasing the mountains yeah. and running everywhere and just getting after it to sitting still in a tree. Yeah. It takes a lot of patience and I, it's hard to do. It's two very different mindsets. Yeah. And, and honestly, I, f- I feel like the reason I love whitetails so much is because it's a whole different game. And if you, if you like come in dressed for one game, it, it's not going to work. Like you have to, you have to know that you can sit there until you start talking to yourself. Yeah, like I like I love elk because I can get aggressive and yeah. go for it. And but whitetails, it's, it's like a fine land between being too aggressive and blowing them all out and never seeing them for three weeks. Yeah, yeah. But not being aggressive enough to move in when it's time. So it's mm-hmm. yeah. I don't know what I did this last year, but I I was able killed to, a big one this year. Yeah, I shot a couple nice ones this year, but I was able to turn it all off, like phone and everything, and just sit and enjoy the woods. And that yeah. was. It took me about a week of doing that before I could actually just enjoy the situation of what was going on and watch the Less animals. stress in your yeah. life out, less outside. You can do that Figure now. Figure out what's going like, on, yeah. Yeah. Retired. I really like it because I've got to the point now where I normally leading up to leading, uh, depending on the, what the moon's doing and kind of what the weather forecast is doing towards the end of October, I'll kind of set a date in my mind within two weeks of November 1st, I'll set it. I'll be looking and saying like, okay, November 2nd is dark, dark, you know, and I'll know like November two, that's what it is. So I'll, you know, kind of ramp up on, you know, soups and having all my thermoses laid out, you know, and and it's like, I'm going out. If I come out, like I have to be dragging something. Otherwise it's dark to dark every day. And I just know that's how it's going to be. And it's, I don't feel like it's hard, but honestly, you have to get to the point where, you know, it's like being at a job where, where you're hustling. The days go by. If you're at a job where you look at a clock, look at a clock, Mm -hmm. look at a clock, it's freaking torture. You know, it's torture to be able to see how long you're sitting somewhere. But if you just, like you said, if you just turn it off and you're just like trying to kind of have all your sensory take in what's happening and just seeing how it all unfolds, I just really like it. For me, the whitetail season is therapeutic to honestly to my year because like you guys are seeing right now, like this is the first tack. So for me, this is like, you know, this is like going into a hunting season where for the next three months, you know, I'm going to be like, I've got to be on and getting yeah. after it. Yep. Prior to this is always, you know, content stuff. So people can get some good instruction for winter training, the bow builds, super time consuming. Then it rolls an attack. 
And then I've got like three weeks from the last tack to get ready for elk. And then elk is just, you know, elk muleys antelope is just gung ho until like right at October. And then in October, I normally slow down. I'll take three weeks where I really don't hunt. You know, I'll get caught up with the family and at work. But then like once October 25th comes, then I'm, I'm kind of getting out and I'm looking at cameras and really starting to play things out, but then I'll pick a date. And then for that month, I'm just, you know, I turn a lot of stuff off and just try to, just try to like use that as, as R and R time. Yeah. You know, and if you do it that way, it's not hard. I know people that try to whitetail hunt get super bored sitting in one place, but I've just seen too much awesome stuff happen with no notice and with no certainty of a time to where you're like, if I blink, I'm going to miss it. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, you never know. It's yeah. Come around that corner. Yeah. Come over the hill. I think that's what makes it so fun. And white tails stay right out of the real range. <laughs> yeah. Not white tails are awesome. I mean, they're, they're tough. And I, you know, I feel like a big white tail is harder to kill than a, than a big elk, but walking up on an elk is just like, it's the best, oh, like, the best. Like, elk in September is like tailor made for the bow hunter. Yeah, yeah. You can hear them, you can see them, you can smell them. It's just actually. So why are we saying this? I didn't draw a freaking general tag in Montana. You didn't? Yeah, because everybody's going. Yeah, I got one. Bow hunting's going. To- <laughs> <laughs> Did you really? Yeah. Is this your first year putting in? Uh, too? No. Damn we, it. We put in for. We had a general last year too. Yeah. Put I, in for the nine hundred and didn't get that. We got the general. So probably go hang out with some other friends, but. Well, yeah, I got one in the pocket. Nice, come watch, you know. Yeah, you can go and coach. You got one this year? <laughs> need to no, I, I just do a cow. Colin. I just do a Colin. cow for the meet in Montana. I go to Colorado in general, just over the counter. Yeah. It's fun. So, what is on your bucket list for bow hunting, dude? Um, I mean, I got a, I got a moose hunt this year, and oh, I, I just got to figure out the loadout because if I can take my, get, take my bow, which is ideal, I'm going to do that, and I'm yeah. take. I'm going with a good buddy who, who's lived up there for a long time. He just actually moved here to Texas. What I'd like to do is take my bow. Worst comes to worst. You know what I mean? He's going to be hunting too, and he'll have his rifle. Yeah. Um, you know, and I can use a rifle. I don't want to waste a trip and just, you know, if I can never get any that close. Yeah. So that would are be you really going to Yukon or where are you going? Um, he's in Anchorage, but I don't know. We're flying out of there. Okay. I don't, don't know. know dropping it to Talkeetna and then somewhere from there, but. It's during the right time, like bow hunting shots for moose is definitely doable because if they're communicating, then it's coming in like elk. Yeah. It seems like once those things commit, they're pretty, I mean, they get just zombified, you know, once, once fire them up. Yeah. Once they're fired up and depending on the, I think with COVID, I think a lot of areas that like, uh, couple of our buddies are going up for bears for uh, coastal bears they're going to be big yeah i mean last year no one was out right yeah. the pressure relaxing a lot of areas some this of the is states a, were shut down this is two years in a row now where i've always bear hunted in bc like normally the first week of may i'm always in bc yeah. on a bear hunt like a legit awesome bear hunt no one's up there and i'm all i would have had two moose hunts in by this fall Damn. in that same place no one's up there so it seems like when things turn on again, it's going to be super legit. So it might be awesome. Be good, you know? yeah. yeah, I wouldn't uh, be afraid to take a boat. Would be cool. I can't imagine what Canada has right now for bears. 
Oh, gas fast. If, if they go, if they go a second here without it, geez. what's going to be like? What's going to be sad is where Canada's at on like deer, you know, deer and kind of moose fawns and stuff because the bear populations are going to get super high and it's going to put a dent. Yeah. It's going to put a dent in those other things wolves. for sure. Yep. Yeah, the people not out there banging wolves could definitely be a problem. Yeah. <clears throat> Are the rivets hunting still? Are they hunting? No, nah, man. They're. I mean, they did a little bit, but a little, little bit. They hunted themselves and stuff that's like what that. I mean. But for the most part, they always take you know American customers. Mm-hmm. Talked to them the other day, and they're like, "Yeah, we haven't booked a hunt, and you know, this year or last." It's so ridiculous. It's crazy. I mean, that's their that's their livelihood. Yeah. Just yeah. Sitting there, and they got to keep doing all their stuff. They're up to scouting and baiting and doing all this stuff because they said, you know, if it gets opened up in thirty days, they have to be able to to drop and go. So they were spending all the money the whole year doing all the stuff because they kept saying, "Well, we might open in 30 days," and they're like, "Well, we better, we better stay on task if we, if they open us." I feel like I've got to get the shots just for the point of like when they open up Canada, here, I want to be able to roll. Yeah, like if it opens up, I want to be able to bounce because mm-hmm. if. All those places are going to be legit. Oh yeah. Oh I mean, my gosh, I can't you imagine. You go up there, it's going to be have. freaking. Yeah. Yeah, because there's, you know, some of those bears, when they get to the age of, you know, they're like kind of knocking on a seven-foot door. If you give them two more years, they get there, but they also, like, get there with authority, too. Oh, dude, there were a... There Think were of a the number. color phase, because oh. it's like the color phase bears, a lot of times they have a hard time getting over that six foot mark because as soon as you got a six foot color phase like yeah <laughs> people are putting the green light on and you know people are like well if it was a black bear people would probably be like yeah, I'll sure know, i'll let it go but color phase people want that color but two now well now it'll be three years on those color phase bears right that were all like kind of borderliners they're going to be some monsters thick boys monsters i know i mean pops when he was hunting with the rivets he shot a seven four nose to tail or square nose to tail hanging yep. yeah and i think cam shot a seven hot mid sevens as well seven two seven three seven four somewhere yeah. there so you're just like okay those are some big freaking bears you give them two or three years on top of that i'm waiting for like pressure you know when, <sighs> if bc ever opens grizz back <clears throat> up again i'll definitely want to go back because that, that year that it mm-hmm. opens up again is going to be when you could, you know, you could possibly bust a 10-foot, you yeah. know, just like mountain two, grizz. It was like 2008, um, South Carolina opened up the alligator season for the first time in 67 years. Wow. First time since World War II. How many 13s got popped? A lot. 13, 6, 13, 8, 13, <laughs> 4. I mean, like, first never day. Happened. Yeah, oh, never happened. Yeah, never happened before. I killed a 12, 4. And it was like the number 23, 24 gator that year. It was Dude, I shot a twelve. Stupid. I shot a 12.6 with a bow, and it was like, it would have been number two. This was like in 2001. A 12.6 yeah. with a bow was like number stupid, two anywhere. Yeah. yeah. And now, you know, if you shoot a 12.6, it's like, all right, whatever. Cool. Yeah. yeah. That's nice. Yeah, they were just, mon- I mean, dudes were killing them out of ski boats. Cause the, cause the, the gators are like, yeah, I know you're like, y'all, y'all don't ever hurt us. And so, you know, you give it 10 years now and that, that drops down you kill an 11, 12 footer. Now you're doing something. You know, it's crazy. You think like when I shot that gator and I, I kind of, it's a monster. Where was that? Florida? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was down by like Okeechobee, I think. Yeah. 
But you start thinking about how old that, how old an alligator is. It's twelve six. It's like fifty years, right? Yeah, they were saying between fifty and sixty. They so, hit. like at that time, it was like two thousand one. Mm-hmm. So then I'm thinking, okay, this gator was a baby in nineteen fifty one. Right. Look at what boats and motors were on that lake in nineteen fifty one. Like that dude. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, that Adam, guy. Yeah. yeah, that dude. They can grow fast that, if that, they're eating good, man. Like yeah, two, it's like an inch to ten inches a year, depending on their eating. But they grow good until they hit ten, and then slow down. Yeah, and then once they, fat. yeah, and then once they hit ten, because I shot a later on, I shot like one that was like eleven something, and he wasn't very far off lengthwise. But like once I got the head, I was like, oh, okay. There's a big difference between 11 foot gator skull and a 12 foot gator skull. It's, you know, like my 12 footer is like as wide as this like pad yeah, right here. Yep. I mean, it's just, it's like that. And then, you know, you're like that on the 11. It's yeah. almost like it's a different yeah, thing, like a, that age class. Oh, like an eight. We had, we killed 10 footers that were like 300 something pounds, 350. And my 12-4 was 600. Wow. And then they killed a, my cousin when he was a guy. He killed a 13-1 that weighed 760. Oh, Seven, yeah. And then they killed a 13-8 that weighed 1,024 in the same lake. The lake we went hunting, we went bow fishing in. Oh, damn. Yeah. Yeah, it was my cousin that took us. Yeah. Or no, that's actually his bike that set it up. But yeah, they uh, right at the bottom of the diversion canal. This lady from Connecticut went down there and uh, killed this gator. Weighed 13-8, weighed 1,024. Be figure he's sitting at the bottom of the canal, one of the most, most most nutrient rich lakes on the planet, and he's literally the bottom of the food trough, just eating everything that went. What are you yeah, for eighty years was sitting there? <laughs> yeah, just yeah. after it. Just yeah, they uh, and there's got to be one bigger. Yeah, right. Well, he, yeah, he'll just get next one will get pushed into that biggers. spot. How much did did bow hunting like help bridge that gap? Like when you said you came back from those deployments you just wanted to like to kind of freaking like for for me like archery is like completely different than everything i did for work it was a just a complete shut off so if i get behind a bow it's not a pistol it's not a carbine it's not a long rifle it's different so i've got to shoot it different i got to hold it different I got everything i got to do different so for me it was a good turn off like hey works here mm. get my bow get my hunting stuff go to the woods and it was a complete just decompression for seven, eight, nine, ten days. Yeah. Then I come back home and I'm dad again. Yeah. It's like it's an art. You know what I mean? Like I kind of view arch. It's very <laughs> art form, right? You how you you know the basics are there that you need to do to to get well, right? And then train. Yeah. But it's not in in my opinion. It's not intense, right? Like I'm not. Yeah. I'm my. Um, I'm heightened right? situation aware. But it's a good, it's, it's being situation where of how I'm standing, how I feel, you know, pressure, uh, rhythm, breath, you know, maybe for sniper stuff, you know, calming yourself, it's similar to that, but it's like artistic, it's therapeutic a bit mm-hmm. versus just bang, bang, you know, getting yeah, reps I can't, down. So that's, that's, that's my main problem is I get into that combat mode yeah. Yeah. and I get the pin on this one rip it. Yeah. Because if I, I'm on I a pistol or carbine, it's like dots on go, go, go. You're if I do that a bow... Like crap, it's in a tree, it's in the wood. You know, Was your everywhere. training that way? I mean, were you for like if you had a pistol or I mean, versus like when you had your long rifle, was did you have different trigger control between the two? Yeah, because 
Yeah, I mean, to caveat, so with a pistol, we will cycle from some very slow, accurate, deliberate marksmanship drills uh-huh. for grip and sight picture and, you know, all the mechanics to build the muscle memory. So when we're doing faster drills, it's just there. Yeah. Hey, you're you coming rounds you're down range, you know, yeah. anytime you're. Because I'm you're, training to the fact that if I get in a gunfight and I have to go to a pistol, yeah. shit's gone downhill south fast. <laughs> and so I need to get up yeah. and be on target, ready to either myself or my buddy take care of the problem yeah and that's not just one yeah. shot you know what i mean like you they talk about if if there's instance where you know police somebody pulls a weapon out let's say and cops have to shoot they're like well why did you shoot them 37 times like you're you're trained to get rounds down yeah. right and protect yourself and get get people yeah, down. i mean that's a whole nother i mean law enforcement does not get the training Correct. skills they need everybody yeah. right yeah you want rounds on target yeah that's yeah, a whole political discussion you're not yeah, shooting once yeah. you know what i mean you're not like okay bang yeah, yeah. i got him that's why I can never get in law enforcement. Like when I retired, like, yeah. oh, come and help. I'm like, no, I'll be in jail in a week. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what, uh, so d- is when you were with like a sniper rifle, was it sim- more similar to like what you're trying to do with archery for trigger control? Yeah. I mean, it was, it's definitely a lot more controlled and precise, but the difference between like if I'm laying down behind a sniper rifle, I can calm everything down. I've got my sight pictures and my scopes on, you know, do all, do all the data and everything else. But the mechanics is pretty basic when it comes to shooting long range because I'm just worried about this little trigger pull. Yeah. yeah. You know, everything else is good. My mechanics are good. My body form's good. And it's just, okay, breathing, squeeze, breathing, squeeze. In archery, you're locked yeah. in. You know, if I, I think it's supporting, it's supporting its weight. Right. There's yeah. so many more. Yeah. I can't yeah. lay. It's like, I can lay down behind a bow and just like yeah. get a move the pin over. Like, call crossbow. Like yeah, yeah, call crossbow. It's yeah, kind of like golf. Like every <laughs> shot counts. Your stance, uh, your hands. Like yeah. every single. Once I caught myself out there today, like a couple of months, I told you, Bird. I'm like, ooh, like kind of relapsing into the combat mode. Like pins on. I'm ripping it. Yeah, so I, I saw it. Forty yards, I can do it. At eighty yards, I can't. Yeah. Well, there's a couple things that are problematic. Or in my basement, I can't do it because it ends up in a concrete wall. <laughs> the, a few things that are problematic is one, you know, with with a gun, you're pulling it into you, you know, and you're. I can muscle a gun to where I want it to go. Yeah, yeah, you've got it pulled in. Whereas with a bow, you're fully extended. Like, it's it's all out. Yeah, and in theory, you know, you're supposed to be relaxed, right? And enjoying it. I and was happy. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Yeah. yeah, but then also like that freaking lock time, right? Mm-hmm. is so much it's not like you know the slower your bow is or the heavier the arrow the more you know if you freaking get on the trigger and try to get your arm up to the target you know that there's lock time where that arrow is just on that string so much longer than than yeah. you know coming out of eight inch barrel or whatever you know it just that that difference in how fast it's gone makes a huge difference it it magnifies your hiccups yeah you that's know? where it's therapeutic for me because it as long as I catch it, and as soon as I do it, then I know then the next 20 yeah, shots you I'm knew. good. It's I remember like, one shot where I was actually watching yeah. you, and I and I watched you shoot, and I'm like, oh, he got on that one. And then you even said, you're like, so, yeah, I freaking, that was me. Yeah, because yeah, I, you know, hey, my hand's right. You know, so if you guys watch that, I got steps. the process I think through. Baby, he does make sure steps I sh- anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, we're, now we're getting into side stuff, okay? Yeah. <laughs> huge but I feet, go through that huge process feet. of huge feet. Step one is, you know, my hands on a grip right, you know, range, mm-hmm. side styled, and then think about every every step of it. Points of performance. Yeah. Like that. yeah. That's my problem. I like and I gotta go walk through my head, through it, my I, front I get, brain, like, hey, stance, 
boom, you know, you figuring it out. You haven't like really gone through it properly yet, though. I try to just, uh, I mean, sometimes being just lucky is yeah, just the best sand. thing. Yeah, just <laughs> <laughs> I just like, okay, there it grip is. It and just grip it and rip it. Yeah, because yeah. I feel like a lot of the stuff you're doing, you're, you're you've done from observing, and yeah. you know, and a. I feel like you're doing a lot of things good, but you also have limited understanding of the things that maybe you're not doing good. Like the things that I see that you're not doing right are because no one's ever told you. Yeah, I don't know what I don't know. know? Yeah. I usually just try to shoot the same exact arrows as you so I can claim that, Mm -hmm. well, that's mine. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think that's for people that don't, that don't understand it that's what's critical is, you know, you have to understand what you're looking for. And, and then from there you can try to like self-correct, but if you don't have that now, however, there's like an opposite end of that where there's people that are way more than qualified to be way better than they are, but they just lack this little piece of confidence to have someone that they trust. Just tell them like, Hey, you're just, you're doing it right. Just do it. I've had a lot of people that, come up and say, Hey, can you watch me? I really need help. And then I, they pull back one time and I watch a shot and I'm like, you don't need any help. Just need practice. Just, yeah. Just trust what, trust what you're doing. And you know, and then they normally have a buddy they're like, see, I told you, you won't <laughs> listen to me. He wanted you to say it. It's like having a partner. Yep. That's <laughs> well, the beauty of archery. It's like, you can be as simple as you want or as complex. You know, like Jackson, he's eight year old kid out there today. He's just ripping it, having Great a great ball. Great time. That kid was the yeah, highlight of the course. Perfect mentality. Yeah, that's part of the morning. Just and then you get his dad him. under the yeah. bus. <laughs> Big time. He you know that, that, one. that That relationship <laughs> is so good to see, though, because his dad misses, right? And he's like, he's still the little kid's like, good job, dad, good try. You know what I mean? He's <laughs> he's like, but he's Very so sincere. No, he was sincere. Yeah. He's like, yeah. you know, almost dad, you know, and it was really sweet yeah. of him. And he was yeah. just, that was such a good relationship yeah. they had, you know, and, yeah, that was then cool, he man. rolls up to us. We're like, how'd you do buddy? Well, I got it. My dad missed though. And, he's just, and like, you look back and the dad's just like, don't tell him. It's <laughs> John Dudley. Don't tell him. Yeah, his hands start shaking. Yeah. Like, oh, you, you want to shoot with us? That, John, I mean, that, that, John asked that guy. The community is great though. Cause I mean, everybody out here is just friendly and yeah. you know, helping each other out and supportive. And it's like, man, this is, a community and a family of they coil up snakes under the uh, yeah, coil up rattlesnakes underneath the targets for little kids to find. But I mean, <laughs> it happens. Man. Well, the Didn't kid was just like, "Hey, did you guys see that snake?" But then the group behind them, the kid wasn't oh, scared. Yeah, but that yeah. other group's like, "God, there was a freaking snake, and this <laughs> guy's petrified of snakes." Yeah, yeah. He said he jumped like ten feet. Well, dude, he, that guy was sweating bullets. I think it's because they <laughs> saw that because <'cause> snake. you invited <laughs> him to shoot with us. <laughs> with yeah, you, those guys got a little nervous too. When you like, hey, come is. shoot with our group. Like, no. Shoot with me all you want. It's only 110 it yards. Why not? <laughs> I, I don't know. I feel like I don't like it when people get nervous like that. I guess I understand why, you know, because I, I would have too. But, yeah, I love I love hearing all the different stories from the people yeah. that are out here because so much of what we do is really for the community. And there's definitely times where I get burned out and mentally I'm thinking, like, do I really need to – do I really need to just do this this much and put in this much like commitment to to it? But then when I come to this, I'm like, I need to do more. Yeah. I got to do more. Yeah. I'm not doing enough. You know, like I walk around you, and I'm like, I've got to do more. Like I mean, I how need. many times you heard those dudes, that kid today, 
yesterday he's like man I just got my bow and I just went through your YouTube videos yeah. and I watched them two times I would go out and I practice and he's like I was crushing it today dude we've you know, so that's that's so, so good though we've, yeah. well the one that won the the yeah Lucas the, yeah, yeah Lucas yeah. and I heard he shot amazing he like through it. the day yeah he shot with us yeah. shooting a bow three weeks totally gave credit to just getting a bow watching the videos but then that kid today yeah three months he went and bought a bow same day owned it three months watched the videos you know bought like different products sighted it in practiced a little bit came to his first ever tack and lost one or two arrows yeah That's i think one smile. arrow was into the rebar he said yeah well, smile at your ear yeah but, uh right the kid jack who i've mentored for years best friends with his dad oh that's right yeah for yeah. your event for, yeah, winter, for strong. winter strong he had just turned 15 and worked all summer he said i want to buy a bow he, he had a kind of lesser bow a year or two ago went to winter strong talked a big game got his ass handed to him and he told his dad, he was like, I'm going to practice all year. I'm going to crush this next year. And I'm going to be a team captain. His dad's like, all right. His kid's telling me that at like 13 years old, 14, whatever. He goes home. He uh, sees the bow I got. And he goes, and his dad's like, all right, well, you got to pay for it. Mowed lawns all summer, bought the knock-on bow, the whole deal. Spot hog sight, everything. I mean, his bow is exactly like rock and roll. And he just watched your videos all summer all winter and came in and I bet he probably shot the best out of anyone at winter. Strong. Wow. Yeah, he did good. Isn't and that was, crazy? Dude? And was That's cool. And was running like he, he Make was a team difference. captain and it was awesome. Like Josh Hall and all these dudes were all, like all in his group. And he's Josh and Trevor, Trevor were texting me and they weren't saying like, Hey, you know, they were like, Hey dude, you know, wish you could have been here, but you got, you got to see this kid. He's freaking <laughs> tearing it up. Yeah, yeah, he was 67-yard shots just, just dumping them right. In the, I mean, it, and, and, like, the crowd was watching, and I'm like, oh, he's going he's gonna to nut this. like, And he's just dropping them right in there. It was awesome. But I appreciate you sending him stuff. Oh, for sure. He was super pumped. Yeah, to, like, to go back in archery 20 years. Oh, God. If someone what, I, had what a, I wouldn't give to, like, start at that level like these guys are starting. Oh, well, like imagine. Like Andy, he's like, oh, I'm just going to. Imagine best how friends we with the shot. Best, best shooter in the world. He's going <laughs> to teach me all the good, good habits right off the bat. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, dude, I've got like 30 years of the other habits I'm to work through. Which one? Andy Stump. Stumpy? Yeah. yeah. Stumpy had me nervous because the first time he came, he was like, you know, he was 100% like, I'm wiping. All I'm doing is listening. Like, he was, he was super content on just tell me what to do. I'm not asking any questions. I'm just doing it. And so he... He was just sitting there shooting that freaking silverback, and he was shooting at 20 and 30 and 40. And then I'm like, let me get you a sight tape. And I I shot at 60 and got him a scale. And then I said, all right. I said, shoot at 80, and let's see how your highs and lows are to mine. Because a lot of people, once you go further out, they start to lose that front sight, rear sight. Mm-hmm. You know, they start to kind of get space under the mm-hmm. underneath their front sight with their peep sight. So they naturally, like, start to shoot a little bit low just because they're not centering properly and but andy was just like hitting and then i i just said well let's go to let's see let's go to the end of that scale because i thought well if i take him back to 100 you know we'll like separate (laughs) yeah yeah so we went back to 100 and i'm i shot and i go just aim for that knock and he's just like all right he's just like and it's just like like my my freaking red knock and his blue knock just looked purple and i was like <laughs> that's so all right good. we'll try to hit try to hit that one and he's like from here i go yeah just i want to see like i want to see you nut up like 
repetitively and then it's just like and I was just like alright it's <laughs> I'm like okay yeah. but like you said could you imagine if you were 14 or 15 and someone just took you and said here it is and you didn't have yeah. to shoot like off your feet in the yard when you were a kid dude, like we did dude, making better hunters which is better for the animal you know I what can, I mean I like the information and the yeah in in the mid 90s if the best like pro archers in the world shot a course like what we shot right now in the mid 90s uh, like you wouldn't be coming off with only one arrow gone oh, like yeah. there wouldn't be pros not losing arrows out there i mean yeah, a long shot at there it was like 50 60 yards for one of those ibo tournaments you didn't well, have 50 you, was the max so 50 yeah. yards was the max at a pro tournament Wow. Did we have anything under 50? We had a couple there? 40s, I think. Yeah. I think I missed we had a few 40s. Yeah, but it was like a rabbit over a snake. Well, <laughs> it was. <laughs> 73, 73, 54, 72, 42, 48, 57, 54, 43, 79, 100, 109, 82, 69, 56, 62, 53, 54, 110, 54.6, 76, 78 in an 82. Yeah. Yeah. Get some of that. <laughs> I that like, golden eagle, I never, bro. She's over 50. <laughs> Even with my That's old overdraw, my 25-inch arrows, I don't think it would I never, I never shot over – I started shooting a bow, like, again, as a kid, like, probably eight or nine years – it was right – it was this movie – it was the year that uh, Rocky – I mean, not Rocky, but Rambo 2 came out where he blew oh, up everything yeah. with a bow. Yeah, yeah. explosive tips. I, can't, I got a 22 stinger. I think he had a golden eagle, didn't he? No, it was a Hoyt. Yeah, I had a little Rambo Jeffrey twenty two stinger in my yard, and I thought it was the coolest thing. No idea how to do it; just watch Rambo and just did that. And but I didn't shoot over fifty yards until probably shoot four years ago, like at all. So what, like twenty five years of thinking thirty yards was as far as you could shoot a bow. Yeah, you know, yeah. I didn't even really try until today. Well, it was and terrible. I banged some out at sixty on a flat range at home, maybe a couple times. But I was like, if I'm going to be training to actual hunt, mm-hmm. and I really, I'd like to be really good, you know, well, you know thirty or yeah. twenty up to fifty. I'd like to be really money, you know. Not that I proved that today, but I never just trained well, out that far. It's a ton of fun shooting at you know, hundred, you know, triple digits. Yeah, you know, kind of guesstimate a little Kentucky windage. My little yeah, T Rex arms. Already taking that shot. In real <laughs> life. You get them and you shoot them, and then in a hunting situation, if I'm shooting 30, 40 yards, it's like chip shot just like yeah, if I, yeah. like when i'm sniper training it's yeah. we're gonna train at a mile plus to make that 600 yard shot yeah it's super easy and reliable yeah yeah so did you guys have i think uh ollie was telling me a lot of the snipers have kind of the no fail no miss distance yeah and i was just talking to uh some of the trainers we used to advertise i might get it wrong i think 600 yards was our guarantee with that's a what you gun, said body Under, shot any circumstances time, yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's changed. So, I mean, with weapons, to guarantee that, or, you know, policy and everything else, yeah, you got to practice outside of that and windy and up and down the mountains and all that kind of stuff to guarantee that 600 yards every single time, cold bore, I'm going to hit where I'm aiming. Wow. I heard Chuck Adams say this like a long time ago, and it was honestly, it was like one of the few things that he said that has stuck with me. But he said that, he goes, I practice, he said, whatever distance I practice at, he said, I'm only effective at half that. So he's just like, you know, if you're going to practice at 40 yards all the time, you're should be a 20 yard shot as a hunter, like as a, as a bow hunter, huh. you should be taking 20 yard shots. 
So the first time I started shooting hundies is because, you know, I wanted to be able to make a 50-yard shot, you know. Makes sense. And, and so, yeah, I mean, and it, it does. I, like, I have, like, right, sometimes I set up my full range in the backyard, especially if I'm doing content. But if you go out there 80% of the year, there's a target at 20 and there's a target at 90. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'll shoot a few at 20 and warm up. and But when it comes to my reps, I mean, my reps are all at 90 I mean, that's, I like to shoot, Yeah, you know, it magnifies yeah. every bit of my yeah. mistake. I mean, I don't have to, if I'm at 40 and I've got something two or three inches out of the group, I mean, I could identify that to a number of things, especially just trusting my pin float. I can't really, but when you get out to a hundred, it's like that time, um, well, after we shot that long elk, that grew behind us. I knew I needed to kind of go shoot with those guys. So I went back there. And so we were going to just do a volley. And we all drew back, and none of them had pins. So when we pulled back, I'm sitting there aiming, and, the, and someone just said, okay, go. And, you know, even when I said three, two, one for us, I'm still pulling through like I was always the last one to shoot because I'm not going to punch it just for a picture. So I'm still let us do that. Yeah. yeah so I'm thanks. like, I'm at full three arrows left. He's yeah, like, it's like yeah. everyone go shoot them all. <laughs> I'm at full draw. And those guys, like they, they said, all right, ready. And I heard, thunk, 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 thunk. and out of my, like out of my left eye, I could see all the arrows like going. So I kind of just like brought my release away from my face and just watched all these arrows. Just, they put three into the leg, like yeah. all of them just boom. And so I'm watching for a while, and then I talked to him, and then I came back in, and then I shot, and I was, like, way left. And I knew, you know, I freaking took all the all the steps that I talk about shooting. I kind of threw them out of the window when I just Reset. leaned back out of my whole system and, like, came back in 30 seconds later. You know, I would have been way better off, like, restarting that and doing it, but... You know, at 100 yards, it doesn't take much, but it it just it blows up whatever it is you're doing as a mistake. Oh yeah. And if you can polish, if you can polish at the distance, then everything else kind of starts to seem a little bit unfun. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, I hate it, like in my base when I got 20 yard target, and I cannot put a dot on it. Same. If I put a dot on it, I just Don't shoot like it. shit. Me too. So I, I get a blind bail at 20 yep. and shoot. I shoot better at 60 than I do at 20. Hmm. Yes. We, we talked about that before. I get yeah. the yips if I shoot it my, in the cave at 15 yards. I'll put like dime-sized dots, mm-hmm. and I started getting the yips. I said, screw this. I got to go outside and just whip them at 50, and I feel better, and yeah. my, I'll drop them in that way. Well, you might be better off with like that target. I brought out that target called Trust the Float. Mm. So it was a black target where the outer ring is green. So I pretty much just teach people – if your pin's moving with anywhere within the green, yeah. you should be actively pulling. Mm. Like if if you get outside of that, then yeah, you might need to slow things down or reset. But if if you're floating within that within that pool, just keep going, just keep pulling through. But yeah, I wouldn't. I just never really. I just got to the point where I do not care where my arrow lands when I practice everything I critique is whether or not I executed a good shot. Like I always feel like if there was a camera zoomed in on me making this shot right now, would people see it and be like, damn, that was a good shot. So you got to trust the float. Dang it. (laughs) You got to trust the float. 
we had a power surge and luckily we didn't lose what we feel like is internet, internet gold. Internet yeah. gold. We're I gonna mean. break break <laughs> whenever this drops, it's everything shut down. We're breaking it. I feel like we hit every demographic. We hit Vikings with the beard. <laughs> red red two, hot chili pepper. Two percent. Two percent red hot chili pepper. <laughs> and and Milli Vanilli fans. Mm. Both. Yeah. Oh yeah. You and need to run down the Run down the street without your shirt on later on. <laughs> Do slow mo. We got hobbits. Yeah, yeah. He's got Lord of the Rings on his side. Schmeagol. <laughs> it's either yeah. Gimli or Schmeagol. I can't tell. It depends on the size of his hair. If I feet. lose any more weight from like not being able to work out, I'm gonna look like freaking Schmeagol, dude. <laughs> just get my ring and freaking my precious. <laughs> That's what I was saying to my arrows today in my quiver. <laughs> Freaking so just to just to backtrack, we normally I try to go out ahead of of all the registered times so I can, you know, shoot with some homies for a few targets and then I as people catch up to us I fall back and try to like, you know, work through other groups and stuff and have fun. But uh we rolled out there Sean told us to be ready at 6.30. I walked out of this trailer at 6.30, and I couldn't even see my truck in front of the trailer. Yeah. It was so dark. NBGs. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, like, misty, and I could hear rain. So we kind of went up about 7. And it, I felt like it was fairly clear when we first got there, but then I saw that, like, that like dense ship come out of the cedars. And then it kind of just socked in that little opening we were in. Yeah. So for the first five targets, maybe. Yeah, Mother Nature was fucking. Until we turned down that hill, for the first five targets, it was so thick that rangefinders were just like, eh, yeah. not working. So we went old school on, you know, what was the first one? Honestly, I wrote it down, but I don't even know if this is right because I just know how bad I'm. Well, I I think I hung foam on that one. We were all high, right? We all guessed. Yeah, but we all guessed seventy five. Yeah, that was low. Yeah, and we were we were <laughs> top we, of the core. We, yeah, we were measuring trees and trying to work our way, figuring out <laughs> yeah, using the using the people in front of us. And yeah, yeah. yeah it's like fifteen point nine. Pretty sure that's not it. Yeah, <laughs> we went we went seventy five, and we're like top of the eight, top of the core. So we figure I've got it written down as seventy three five. The next one was like a really small deer at 54.5. I shot it for 52.5. And, and we I didn't was have like, any problem hitting it though. I was, yeah, I was <laughs> aiming low. And guess what? Freaking that thing just started shanking off rattlesnakes down through yeah. there. So I, I was just thinking, like, oh man, you know, because one of my, one of my, my bad suits right now is, you know, I haven't had to judge yardage in 10 years. So, you know, I realized today that I'm very bad at it. Yeah. It's not inside of 30 where I can just kind of hit the foam. It'd be so fun to do an unknown distance range, like, you know, when you do have rifles. But then again, arrows are so damn expensive now. It's like, especially the knock Well, that's what they do. You know? That's what they, yeah, any green. If you want any green on your arrows, get get out of town. Yeah. You're not guesstimating. It's not happening. But foam behind foam. Yeah, it's not happening. (laughs) Yeah, the originally shoots were unknown distances. Yeah. So they've made... You know, for you, you haven't like you're new into this. When I competed, that's they were all unknown. So, so when you competed, you, you never knew. Use a range no, they, no, they weren't even allowed. It's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, they were not allowed. You couldn't like you couldn't have any marks on your binoculars to like figure it out. There were like no systems that yeah. you could do. 
That's what guys are shooting the fastest possible boat they could ever build. Just yeah. As yeah. flat as possible. Yeah, because yeah, cause where you were at, um, there were some really good shooters yeah, in that area, and they shot. The, I mean, that. did you ever go to an IBO yeah. shoot? You yeah, did? that was in Bedford? Oh, yeah, Bedford was a big one. I never, I didn't do Bedford. I did some of the smaller ones up around us. But, yeah, I remember Bedford was Yeah, Bedford yeah. was the first leg of the one Triple like Crown. like three, right? There's three big, yep. big shoots yep. like Bedford, it. then uh, McKean, Pennsylvania, then Nelsonville, Ohio mm-hmm. were the three yeah. when I competed. Um, but, yeah, you had to be on your game. But, again, it was zero to 50 max. You know, being two yards off at 72 is <laughs> way different than being two yards off at 40. Yeah, so it's a very different ball game. Yeah, I, I did some three Ds like two thousand ish when I started playing around with them. I didn't know when you're supposed to have a rangefinder. I just showed up like this looks fun, guys, and they're like, "Who's this guy?" <laughs> <laughs> and everyone had all their little stuff and their binoculars. And back then, we were all carrying stools. No way. Did you ever see everyone with like the yeah, stools yeah. and we had the tubes taped on the side of the little camp stool? Mm-mm. So you, yeah, you would, you didn't want anything on your body mm. because it was all restrictive. No one would like, when I shot 3d, no one would ever have a bino harness on their body. You had like a little stool, you'd throw it over your shoulder, it closed up. You'd always keep your binos on top of the stool. So when you picked it up, it would It'd close up on your binos. Mm. And then we had tubes, like you duct tape oh, yeah. tubes down the side of it. And then someone ended up building a quiver that mounted on the side of the chair, and then they made, like, a handle on the one side. So when you grabbed that and picked it up, it'd close your binos in the top, and then there was, like, a little lunch pouch underneath. So you'd keep all your tools in there. Everyone just carried stools. No one had, like, hip quivers. And it's kind of, like, changed a lot. Yeah. Yeah, it was – I feel like for people to come out here – and be able to shoot a course like this is, I mean, there's just no way 20 years ago, archers, like people, one, people would be mad. Frustrated. They would have been mad. They would have, like, out here, it seems like it's a new era where, you know, everyone we've talked to are like, I freaking, you know, I missed two. It seems like, so this is my first hack. It seems like, Tack people are just shooting it for the experience. I mean, we didn't to keep score, no, but like those 3D tournaments, you get some assholes in there that are <laughs> shooting for points and trying to win whatever the prize is, and they're not very friendly with each other out here. Everybody's yeah. pretty you relaxed. start putting money on anything. Well, truthfully, it. most of them yeah. are like friendly to your face, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, when there's money on the line, I mean, I've lost so much respect for people when it comes to calling arrows. When there's like, you know, as soon as you're in a professional group and someone says like, hey, if we're going to call arrows this tight, we're only taking money away from each other. It's like, no, you need to shoot that tight so that you can like legitimately beat everyone else out here. Because if every group is making an agreement on how we're going to call arrows, that's problematic. Mm. Like that's that's what I don't like about. That's a big reason why I started shooting for the teams is because. I wanted there to be official scorekeepers and multiple scorecards f- with people that would call your arrows, not you calling. Your yeah, arrows. because otherwise it it. I mean, I would have won. You mean? Yeah. <laughs> Again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you you would have definitely shot better today. 
had there not been. <laughs> what if I had those exploding tips from uh, Rambo? Rambo. Yes. Dude, I think it'd be fun to do a, a super limited run of broadheads with you. I'm down, man. I think, you know, getting a bigger shop, like I said, a, a bigger shop this year, more space, and I add more machines. You want to do some? I'd you love to do, do a collab? We should absolutely do a collab. Go for a, like, we'll just go for a straight up. You don't have any yet. Have you done any, uh, which would be yours? Like, I'm not tied down with any companies, yeah, so I'm, to design I'm down to do whatever. I'd love to. I get asked all the time, and I got some I've got some If we can drawings. avoid that, yeah, yeah. It'd be awesome to... Uh, It'd be awesome to work on a freaking expandable and a and a yeah. fixed blade with you. Yeah. Once I get these new machines in and stuff like that, then I've I've hired another guy for programming. I can't I can't program CNC mills, man. That's that's CAD and CAM. No, and we're conceptors, and a, bro. Yeah, we're not yeah. smart. I'm people. knuckle dragger. I can make a beautiful knife. You know what I mean? Just on the grinder, and, but I can't draw with shit. I can't even my own handwriting. I can't tell what I'm saying. Dude, let's go back a little bit because. I met someone both of you guys used to work for and he was telling me about you he's, you know he's telling me he's like he's like you know because I think um, him and I were talking he grew up in Milwaukee you know what I'm talking about can I say I don't know if he is he active still? no he's who I told you surfs with, with Jocko his daughter surfs with Jocko's son you know what I'm talking about starts yeah. with the T yeah the I don't know if he like wants his name out I there. I don't think it matters. I think people okay, know but, him. Um, yeah, he was telling me, he was just like, tell me your background, like where you started out skating and everything like that, which yeah. was pretty cool. Because he came from like a, tr he, he was like always fighting, just getting in trouble. And then he met yeah. like a tattoo artist that kind of ended up talking him into going into the military. And then, you know, he was just telling me the story. But he, you know, you kind of came, you came from a really cool time period in in California where skating was I don't know if it was for me it seemed more awesome because I was from that era because I kind of looked up to everything that was going on out there because it like it seemed like it was at another planet to yeah. where being in Illinois I couldn't I could see it in some magazines but like oh. But it was okay. booming out west. Oh, booming yeah. Down you there. could occasionally get, yeah. like, if if all of a sudden you'd have this sticker that'd, like, show up where it'd be, like, skate or die, he'd be like, oh, damn. Oh, there's, like, a, yeah. Yeah, there's yeah. like, South Carolina was the same way. It's, like, yeah. California just sound like this magical place where these kids were just shredding yeah. and doing this awesome yeah. stuff. and Dry pools skate. everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. yeah. When Giant you saw ramps. pools, you yeah, know. The, the hardest things. This guy, like, I, you know, I skate. Grew up skating the street more, but we'd get in the pool, and then you hit the side or you hit the bottom of that pool, and you scrape on that that pool. <laughs> Where you know, texture like, for your you feet. Don't it burns for two days. It doesn't you know? <laughs> you don't heal quickly with pool fucking scars, man. <laughs> it's no, no joke. I got some buddies. My buddy still skates for like Anna Hero and stuff. Tom Grom, and he is one of the most incredible pool skaters. You know, and he's he's a bit younger than me, but those guys like the Anna Hero guys just absolutely rip in pools. And I mean. Pools are, the, I think they're the toughest. You know what I mean? This, to escape, they guys just rip out. Oh, it's insane, man. I figure that's what like they were just doing constantly in the eighties yeah. too. They're finding all those old homes up in the hills and those old pools and pumping the water out. We did that growing up, you know, here and there. And I wasn't very good at pools, but no, it was terrible. <laughs> you eat crap once and you're done for the day. How does like how do you look at skating now? Is it similar to archery where there's so much tutorials out there to where you feel like skaters can get better faster? Like you look at some young skaters, you're like, holy shit. I mean, I kid. guess YouTube is like 
some of the greatest things in the world, you know what I mean, for learning. Yeah. Um, obviously, I think, you know, somebody teaching you is, is better. Like, watching somebody personally be like, oh, hey, this is why I turn my foot a little bit more like this, or I bring my heel in a little more here. I actually turn it under sooner rather than later. I start farther up on my board. It's the same thing with learning. I think if you actually have that one-on-one, and they can, someone's good, and they can tell exactly what you're doing wrong, it's going to be easier. You're going to learn faster, obviously, than watching somebody on a flat screen tell you what to do yeah you know it's out there and you know the greatest thing in the world is practice time time doing it time yeah. doing it you know and then time doing it correctly because you build those bad habits if you don't have good instruction one thing i will say about practice um because for me i've always i feel like there's there's lapses in practice time for me because i really need to have a purpose to practice i don't i'm not good at practicing with no purpose it it's really hard for me to justify the time because I, I like to, I always like to train for a reason. And that was hard for me when I was always going over to see Sharon in England, like as we were going through the immigration process, because when I go to England, I couldn't shoot in the backyard. Like I would, I would shoot through our house in Liverpool. Uh, you know, I'd open up, like I'd shoot from the living room through the kitchen and then have a target in the back garden. And that was like 18 yards. So I'd shoot through the whole house and open the back doors and it just got like <laughs> 18 yards. Yeah. It got, it got so boring to where I, I just felt like I was losing it because I didn't have anything to really prepare for. And I know this is on a totally different level, but like with Andy, I, when we went on that first hunt and he was like, what kind of gear do I need? And like, and when he showed up and all his gear was freaking loaded out and organized and then every night he freaking got his shit straight again and had it ready for the morning like i could see this enlightenment in him like putting his shit on yeah, yeah gearing up and so yeah. you know and that and that was the first time where i started to realize like the reason when i was in england i i wasn't like practicing for anything so it was you know i was practicing because i know i needed to not because i had a reason to goal in mind yeah you know so i ended up signing up for like a a half triathlon just so that i would have something to freaking i bought a bike at a garage sale just so i could have something like i just needed to know a date like i need to know the date and here's here i need to be ready by this date so i can be ready for this task so that's what's hard is like, you know, it sometimes archery is repetitive, but these events for me, like give me a purpose to train when normally I would probably, I would shoot, but I wouldn't really get after it. But what I will say about compound archery, when I got to a certain point and I don't really know when that was, I just remember like, and it's not that far long ago, but there was a time and, you know, granted this like 20 years into me being serious about archery. I've shot archery for over 30 years, but for 20 years I was, you know, I trained with a purpose, but now I feel like I'm at a level to where I can put my stuff down and pick it back up and be honestly at a level to where I don't feel like is justified but it doesn't take me very long to polish to yeah. get back to where I was. Yeah. But it took, a, it someone. took, tw it took freaking yeah. two decades of doing it to where I got there. Because I can tell you when I came, well, last week we were together, funny enough, like yeah. you and I were together at Jocko's and originally this shoot was supposed to be next week. 
I would have never scheduled Jocko's if I knew the shoot was this week because I would have, I try to plan like 14 days of like continual training before I show up somewhere to perform. So I wouldn't have like went to Jocko's and then been home two days and then came to this. And then I hadn't really shot up until Jocko's. And then when we went out and we shot on that course, like for me, I was worried about this week because I hadn't shot very, I'd been working on everyone else's stuff. So I hadn't been, I hadn't been practicing. So when we went out and shot that little course to me, I'm like, if I'm not shooting 12s on every target on a course that's averaging 43 yards, for me, that's problematic when I know I have to come out here and like bomb 80s. Yeah, and be what people, you know, kind of do what do what people expect me yeah. to do at these longer yardages. And thankfully, you know, we had like a day to shoot a little bit of black rifle. Yeah. And over the last two and a half days, like for me, I've made steps of progression to where, you know, like today I, you know, I kind of came into the pocket and I anchored. And for the first time when I like went to check front sight, rear sight, I realized like when I looked and I was mentally like coherently going to do it with, you know, with, with my conscious thoughts of looking at my front sight, rear sight alignment, looking, you know, checking my six, checking my three, for you know for alignment then looking at my pin looking at my bubble pin bubble pin bubble i remember today i pulled back on a target and i hadn't thought about it but then thought oh shit you forgot to check this and i looked and it was just freaking lined up leveled on point and so subconscious had done it but two days ago it wouldn't have done that but two like 10 years ago subconscious would have never have done that. Mm. You know, I think there's like, there's gotta be a certain point where the, where that subconscious will start to do those. Like it's kind of like a blade, right? It's like, once you get a blade to the right shape, the polishing can happen in a much shorter period of time, but taking practice, but taking that meat off, like really grinding and grinding and grinding. Yeah. It t- it takes time. You're making that decision, right? If you're consciously, it's in the front of your mind. You're building that neuron pathway to do the right steps and in the same position. Same with shooting. You yep. know what I mean? Yep. You build that and you do it so much that there's guys, you know, that are doing so much CQC in the house come in and you're just seeing that target. You're bringing it up and you're bringing it and you're never looking straight down like, okay, through my, you know, through my optics, whatever it is, you know, red dot on him. You're in and you're up and you're firing and it's, you're just money every time. And it's, mm-hmm. everything's the most comfortable and you practice it so many times you're looking over your sight at that target and you're doing the same spot, drilling it every time. Yeah, flow state, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah that's yeah, what yeah. it boils down to. Yeah. You reach that. Yeah. Yeah. Like when I was in prime and I'm long past that, but it was almost to the point where you, you don't even remember where your sights are. Yeah. They just go to the right thing and you're yeah. engaging the target yeah. and moving on and, and you're your body is doing one thing, but your mind's already three steps down. Like what's the next, this guy's gone three guys down and I've got a hallway down here. I've got something else going on because everybody around you doing the same thing. So you get that kind of that mental flow state of a group Mm -hmm. and everybody's working together. And it's, it's well, from a physical standpoint, it works the same way. Like, 
like from a strength training side, yeah. you know, I mean, you train so hard and so long for so many years to get relatively strong. And, but like now at 44, I've realized I could kind of stay pretty close with like laughably less effort and yeah. time, mm-hmm. like two, maybe three days a week. I'm six weeks out from kind of whatever I want to go for. But Do you feel like it was it's 25 that years of hard yeah. ass work. But I see, I've thought about this and I think about whether like, I know, I know I trained poorly for the first 20 years of like right. me lifting and loving lifting. Mm-hmm. Cause I was just, you know, reps taking Cenogenics and freaking, you know, doing Agent the freaking ten eight six baby, <laughs> you know. But yeah. then, like, once I started to realize, like, you can make lightweight feel heavy, and you can, you know, you can make a workout out of anything. Yep. And I feel like, I feel like I've been more efficient in staying in shape to where I haven't lost it. I just need to, I just need to hone it. Yeah. You know, and yeah. part of me thinks is, well, like, is it my age now to where I don't have to like melt myself down where I'm sore three days out of the week? I can, I can do three hard workouts a week and I can train three times with a bow. Right. Like with a purpose a week yep. and I can be where I need to be. And potentially. Did like, I used to overtrain? Like that's, sure. that's my thought process is. Well, maybe overtraining and changed your body. Right. Like, yeah, I, if well, I work out since working out for so long, being the teens yeah, being fit. Sure. If I go and I put like three, like two weeks of lifting and my body's already changing. Like yeah. it's way stronger leaning yeah. out, you know yeah. what I mean? And that's, if you're overweight or you're not healthy and you're two weeks training, you're not seeing yeah. those results. Your body's physiological yeah. makeup and, and physical too. makeup. Yeah. That memory. It's going, oh, memory. like I know what this feels like. Just yeah. stimulate me just enough. And yeah. I could be back there. Like I always call it touch, uh, touch the curtain. I could touch the curtain once a year. I, I, you can't live there, but like, if I want to ramp it up, like I know what I got to do in six weeks and then body goes, all right, all right, let's, let's tap out for a minute. Let's rest. If you build the foundation, whether it's archery, building eyes, weightlifting, shooting, if you take the time and energy to build the proper foundation, it lasts much longer. It's like when I was younger in the teens, we didn't have like all the shit we have now. It was run as fast as you can, drink as much as you can and hopefully (laughs) lift as heavy as you can. In that order. There was, yeah, there's really no rhyme or reason to your workouts it was like hey you're a grown-ass man make sure you're ready to do the job like now we're training to the point of by the time these kids get to the first step in buds their bodies are physically built to the point where for longevity their longevity i mean we still get some injuries and stuff but Which now we're smart though now like we're that's testing what it needs yeah, to be yeah, now we're yeah. testing the mental capacity for them to suck it up and do the job so it's the same thing like I know you talk about all the times, like build that foundation for your yeah. athletes. Yeah. If you build the proper foundation, no matter what the athlete or what the sport is, it's not going to crumble. So you build it up. You may take a couple months off, but it's still going to be fairly solid. To Get it back. You, so you keep up, in touch up. with it. Probably like you yeah. could, you could shoot once a week and probably be 85% as good as you could shoot. 90% as good as you could, if you shot yeah. every day. Yeah. Cause you've yeah. taken that time. Yep. The one thing that's hard that I haven't, like stamina you have to work for yeah yeah cardio right. stamina that's different but well like even stamina with number of arrows mm-hmm. you know it's like right now i'm fine we're shooting one arrow at a time sometimes we shoot two if we all of a sudden said like if they said hey it's four arrows a target it i don't know what you guys would be like because i don't yeah. know how much you shoot but for me it'd be like yeah. hey good one good one good one that one's a little out oh that's dog shit i mean like, i wouldn't last more than maybe eight 
you know, yeah, after eight, after yeah, ten or twelve, eight turns, animals, I wouldn't have any more. Yeah, I wouldn't have any more arrows. I mean, how many? How many was that? 25. 25. Yeah, 25. 25. And we shot some twice. Yeah, we shot a few yeah. of them twice. That's a, I'd say I mean, we I had shot. to. But I even, yeah. I even felt it yesterday, towards the end of yeah. yesterday's targets, I started losing it. And I was like, all right, am I losing folks? Like, no, I'm, I'm losing. I'm, I'm not in shape for this. And then today I was able to kind of carry it all the way through. And you got shooting better and better as you went. Like, you could see you getting in well, your group. Also not over. Like, I started, not to get, I started like, yeah. I got to the point where, like, something turned on on me because – Honestly, I went into two days ago, I was a little bit worried, like, man, you freaking, you're going to have to dig deep for this one because you showed up, you procrastinated, mm-hmm. like. Didn't do your homework. Yeah, you, you procrastinated, <laughs> did you know. It, did it in the car on the way to school. Yeah, because I had to. Hey, if you wait till the last minute, it only takes a minute. Look. The day before we came here, <laughs> I built t-shirt. three bows because I had to bring one for someone, and then I had mine. We had five days of 30 to 40 mile an hour winds, could never get sight tapes. Like it was, it was horrible. And so, yeah, I wasn't, I knew at Jocko's I wasn't on point. I mean, I was marginal for me. I was marginal, Mm -hmm. but I also knew like where I needed to be. So yesterday towards the end of us finally practicing was I could feel my shots getting into a cadence Mm -hmm. So that's why when you said like, "Hey, let's go out," I thought, "Yeah, I'm gonna, I need to go like see how my long shots feel," and then once, once on I started, yeah, once I started feeling that, and I'm like, "Okay," like, I've like cracked the ice, mm-hmm. so now I know, you know, I know it's still there. I can see it. So yeah. it like by the end of the weekend, by the end of the weekend, I'll be like very different than I am today. Yeah. But like it takes, I just know myself for, from a training point of view, it normally, if I've taken a break, it'll take me seven days to like get to the point where I can recognize clean shots and my body knows what it wants to do. It'll take 21 days. And I feel like I could kind of be ready for anything. But now does, I know you shoot a little bit lighter bow than you do when you hunt, mm-hmm. right? When you're yeah, doing quite a bit. Yeah, quite a bit. What would happen if you were shooting your hunting bow? Because I, I would assume that in, increased intensity would shut down on your frequency of arrows that you could shoot. And, like, where where do you find the sweet spot of you're still flat enough and doing everything close enough to what you're doing, but obviously you can't shoot four days in a row out here at the tack with your big bomber bow unless you're really in shape for that. And yeah, I mean, I think, I could, like, pulling it isn't a problem. It It's... It's like, it's the frequency of a 70 pound bow versus a 64, like sending that frequency back into my, cause you know, that vibration like goes through and then it mm. comes back through, it comes back through my arthritis everywhere. So if I'm going to put in two or 300 practice arrows a day, I just don't want the jar, mm. you know? Mm. And the, the thing is like, when I come to these events, like my bow's a little bit louder at attack event, but I'm shooting a lighter arrow. I'm shooting a little bit more speed, you know, I'm, I'm because they're really long shots in the wind and I'm forced to take them. If I was hunting, like I wouldn't, if there was an elk at a hundred yards and there was a 10 mile an hour crosswind, I'm not ripping that shot. I'm going to get into 50 yards. You know, I'm going to get to 50 yards or I'm going to keep pressure low and keep eyes on them and wait for my time to where I can get to that. Whereas here I need to shoot and move on to the next stake. So like 
my ballistics of my arrow, my vein configuration, everything's a little bit different here than what I would hunt with. So, I mean, that's why I call challenging. Well, it's more suitable. It's more suitable. So So here's a question for you. But I also want to be able to like, I want to pin for 120 yards. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah. like if I'm shooting a 550 grain arrow, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to have, I'm not going to be able to set my pin to 120 yards. I'm going to be getting a hundred yards and then guessing. And for me, I don't want to be guessing because someone that's like, Oh, that's John. I want to freaking video. I'm shooting this shot. I don't want to be, cause for me it's fun, but for someone that doesn't know, it's not like I can explain, Hey, I wanted right. to shoot a 550 grain arrow out here. Right. I don't have a pin for this, but that's what the course has. So at this point, I'm just aiming at the horns yeah. and taking my best guess. Like I need to be on. So just having that extra speed and the a different ballistic coefficient mm-hmm. is just allowing, you know, listen, I'd love to come out here with a 338 Lapua, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I was going to ask, but I think you answered it. So like on a sniper side, we'll run heavy calibers instead of lighter calibers but we'll train with lighter calibers that have very similar ballistics mm-hmm. so or shooting ask. with our, our 300s. So I was wondering if your lighter bow, lighter arrows have very similar ballistics to your heavier bow and heavier arrows. Um, you kind of answered if you got a 120. Right, like could you 100. use a 19 tape for both of them? Or I, could get, I could get them similar, but I would need to up my poundage to the point where, you know, it wouldn't be fun to be yeah. – practicing and training and the thing is like so when the would i shoot my course but i fall back and shoot with other people and i also shoot it every all three days right and then i'll do novelty shoot at night where i'll go down and shoot for you know for some type of charity or something like that so you know if i'm putting 100 arrows through my bow i don't really want to be pumping 100 arrows at 75 pounds so on these lighter arrows do you see how much difference is like a left to right 10 mile an hour wind Definite difference, definite difference, which is why my veins are so much shorter, just because I want less Less surface surface area area coming across. So, yeah, I've got, you know, I've got a fast close enough. Huh? Are they close enough to where if you ripped an 80 yard shot in elk with your hunting arrow, would it be similar to an 80 80 yard shot here? Um, Well, this arrow is much faster. I'm going to guess 20 feet per second faster. But from a momentum point of view, if I shot an elk at 109 yards with that arrow versus a 540 something oh, yeah. grain arrow, yeah. I wouldn't get the penetration. Yeah, so. I was just wondering, like, like a windage effect right. on a lighter arrow that's going faster vice a heavier arrow that's going slower. Because I know what like there's so much to it. I've got like tons of tables that I've built over the years. And what I found is like momentum, like weight versus speed. Once you're like over about 56 yards, like speed's speed has a, a benefit to about 56 yards. And then, and then the momentum starts to catch up to that, you know, but then eventually, yeah, if you have a light arrow shooting at 110 yards with a crosswind, my up and down like benefit would be a better benefit than my left and right, you know, having that heavier projectile, for a wind drift would be a better benefit versus the drop. Yeah, I was like, in my mind, my the training side is going like, okay, so if I'm shooting at one right. at 80 yards with a 10-mile-an-hour crosswind, is it going to be very similar when I go out and shoot, in, say, a Wyoming or a mule deer or something and have very similar conditions with a crosswind 
Now I'm shooting heavy arrow. Is it going to be close to what I've been training all summer with? Well, this the, is the heavier arrow is going to have talking. If you're <laughs> if you're comparing apples to apples and like surface area is equal, so if you have the same diameter shaft and you're going to shoot the same exact vein, that's the one variable that I change. Is I've got a small PM 2.0 vein for these for just for left less left to right, right drag. Now if I had this arrow, which I think is about 440 grains with a three inch vein, like I hunt with, and then I had my 540 with a three inch vein that I hunt with, I would be better off with that 540 in the wind, yeah, you know, later on. However, the amount of drop difference, like you know, here there were times where we were estimating like half a yard, half a yard at 109 would definitely show up with a bow, yeah. You know, half a yard or one yard would show up like where, you know, especially if you're trying to shoot something like this cup, you're just not going to hit it. If you step back, you know, a foot and a half, it would be just because it's just heavier, you know. It's crazy. It's falling that far at that distance. Oh, it's, it's just bombing what, in there. Yeah. It's, yeah. When you look at like the arcs of how high they get sometimes on that stuff, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, it's like that one's not hitting. You oh, I thought, yeah, it. that yeah. elk, I was like, oh, you shot it right over, because I saw how high it was above it, and then I looked, I'm like, oh, my gosh, it went, well, it came <laughs> all like the way back down. I think That's I what I think's like, yeah. like the nostalgia about archery is that you can see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it, with, with guns, if you look at the videos people love to, like, share with each other and watch is when you can see the vapor trail. Yeah. yeah. If you can see the vapor trail or the or a trace it's around, nuts. people share it, you yeah. know. Or and you see some of those bomb canyon shot thousand yards. An AC-130 an AC like, just tick, 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 oh, tick, yeah. tick. Like, people <laughs> love seeing that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If it was nothing but just, like, white stuff splatting, <laughs> but you didn't right. know where it came from. Yeah. I'd watch it all day. <laughs> <laughs> Exploding tips. That'd be interesting. To see if they if they go when it was raining because you could see that so water coming yeah. off his veins. It was spinning. Yeah. Oh if yeah. He was able to pick that up because that was that was fun. To watch yeah, it. I yeah. saw a few pictures where there was definitely, you know, that's quite great because it's counterclockwise on when those those things come out and mm-hmm. you're just seeing that circle and also just rain hitting and getting yeah. spun off the other way. Yeah, you can see the t- when the tips hitting raindrops, you can see it just so cool. Yeah, when you shot that one, when you shot that deer. From the yeah. from the dark side out in the open of that creek, could you see those ra- mm-hmm. like you could see the raindrops splatting the whole way through? Uh, it was just like dink. And does that affect it at all? Oh yeah, does it? That's why we were adding a yard. Okay, I did. I thought it was from the weight of the string. It's both. Yeah, it's both. If it's if it's like coming down, that's all just that's all drag. Just right. beating those raindrops. Yeah, figured it had to have some sort of. How much did you calculate that? Did you guys calculate that much? That deer bullet. No, I'm saying oh. the bullet. If you had Not to shoot a, a mile I mean, in, a, in the rain, how much have you ever... That's a, I'm, I'm sure there's a, a formula for yeah. it, but I think the bullet's going fast enough that the shockwave in front of it is, is, clear, is, is pushing it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. damn. So yeah, it's clearing I'm, all that stuff out. Jeez, that's freaking awesome. That, the, the air density, though. Yeah, air density. So if counts. I'm shooting at yeah, 15,000 sure. feet by sea level, there's a difference yeah. there. Morning, yeah, that's morning, morning, afternoon, hot, cold air. I shot one of the best groups of my life in a torrential downpour one time. And I was just I was just kind of whacking away at it because like, you almost like floating it. I was like, boom, yeah, I'm just, I'm just seasoning this barrel. And I look, and there's like a... 10 shot group with four different loads that were under an inch 
I was like, oh, okay. This Somebody had shot shoot. it the day before. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so good. No idea. Yeah, it was where my birth <laughs> bullets went to. No idea. There's yeah, a farmer right now with a dead cow. <laughs> Great grouping, the cow. Great though. grouping. Yeah. <laughs> Solid cow group. Toast oh, that man. Let's go. Does anybody get anything to add? Vito? No, I was just thinking, you, know, you, were, you were talking earlier, you know, kind of about what makes you do it and if you don't have like a goal and everything you know thinking in my mind like we've done so many cool things I've been able to do and I've been so blessed to do so many really amazing things in life and you know going back and doing them again with somebody I love and or with other people and it's their first time like I don't like diving in the ocean that much but then you know my girlfriend goes and I was like you know what let's get your dive license I want you to see on, on you know reefs and stuff and I got the same excitement back right the first time I got to see her experience too and for you coming out here and that kid earlier oh, was so yeah, jazzed was so and he wasn't just jazzed because you're John Dudley he was jazzed because he learned from about. you yeah. and the other biggest thing is you're making better hunters with the education you put out you're you're saving more animals from going and dying alone in the woods and putting your life. I mean, it's essentially like you want to be a good hunter, right? You want to yeah. be a good, you want to take care of the land. You want to be, you know, a good steward of the land. And that's why we're here on earth. One, put good meat on the tables, take care of our loved ones and be a good steward of the earth. And by educating people on how to do that and hunt better, you're saving so many, you know, you're putting food on people's tables essentially and making people better with the technology over the last 40 years. People are having fun out here because of the technology and how good these aiming devices are and these, the you know, I, I know a few guys who just shoot to shoot targets, but the rest of the people I know are more interested in being a good shooter so they can hunt. And there's nothing worse than, you know, maiming an animal and you get blood trail for a mile and it's gone and you're just so bummed. Yeah. You know, so everything you're doing builds that base, uh, especially for guys who really want to hunt and get better at it and be good stewards of the land. Yeah. What do you got, Bert? Well, and just to kind of go off of what Andy said, and not only learning the archery game, and then, of course, you want to hunt more, and then you want to be – you think you can be more effective, and you are more effective, but then that's just the cover charge to get into – learn the other things of the outdoors will yeah. teach you perseverance life and, yeah all you the know. other stuff and and if you have this this thought in your head and this thought you're feeling in your heart you're like okay i've done the homework i'm going to go out and i'm going to get into the outdoors and i and i have a really good chance of success if i do all the things i do right but what you realize or you don't even realize at the time is you just signed up for a lesson and all this other stuff in life yeah. and just the cover charge was you're good with a bow and then you go out there and you're like, I'm learning patience and I'm learning planning and I'm learning and how to proper be, gear, proper gear yeah. and how to, how to be durable Practice. in the outdoors and how to stalk and use dead space and all this other stuff. But because you've removed the variable of sucking and shooting the arrow. Right. <laughs> and so now you can learn all these other things. So then you have this, this confidence of like, I could go out and have this amazing time. And then the real class starts and then all this other stuff starts. And then the archery just becomes a, a cover charge to get into the rest of it. And yeah. like, so that's where I see it is now knowing I'm a more capable bow hunter, I could go out and become a better hunter now and become a better human now because I could learn these things and I don't have to worry about it. It's my gear suck and am I going to miss it here? You know? So for me, like, you know, we've all talked about how relaxing it is and it's, you know, it's a stress reliever and it's a part of my medicinal aspect of my life and, and something that, that centers me, but also it's, it's a, it's a cover charge to get me to learn new things. Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Terry. Uh, I guess 
wrap it up. <laughs> yeah, wrap it up. I, I think we'd be remiss by uh, not talking about the whole reason. That, like Andy, I'm here is we were invited for the uh, adaptive veterans shooting yeah. black rifle what amazing yesterday. Event. So, you know, after two and a half decades in the military, I'm so committed to veterans and trying to make them better and do whatever I can for them. Getting invited down here and spending essentially 24 hours with those guys and just shooting and telling stories and talking shit and you know, treating them like anybody else would not like, yeah. Oh, he's missing his legs. Oh, poor him. It's just like, he's, he's a guy he's out here shooting or a girl out here shooting and yep. having a good time. And that led to this. And so I just want to say thank you to black rifle coffee and operation enduring warrior, the archery program. It was what you guys did with an attack last year. It was yep. incredible. It kind of inspired me to reach out and start a friendship with Caleb and, and Lopez and those guys. And, Met him out here yesterday for the first time, but we've been chatting for a year since since you. Oh, have you really? Yeah. yeah, they're freaking. Those dudes are legit dudes. Yeah. yeah, they. Last year we did the tack on day one, and it was kind of a course specific for the adaptive athletes, and you know you could tell both of them were freaking amped up big time, and then. Uh, freaking that day, I'm in the booth at like four o'clock, and they, they came walking off that. You know, you kind of come through yeah. a certain area to come into the booth, and I knew they had came off the mountain. And I mean, dude, they look like smoked. They, yeah, they <laughs> freaking look like yeah. they had just finished like a week long elk hunt. And I go, did you guys? What course did you shoot? And they go, we shot the knock on course. And I was just like, it's only four Are miles. Are you kidding me? <laughs> and they go, yeah. And and I could just see it in their face. They're like, it's just. They said. There were so many times where we're like, you know, this, we sh maybe we should have done this. And then by the time they <laughs> finished it, they just, they just said like, now we want to, you know, we want to be able to do an elk hunt, you know, we're, you know, obviously yeah. Lopez doesn't have an arm and, you know, I think there were three of them. There's another guy too, I think that worked for a mountain bike company, but yeah, there's another guy that I met. He's up in Wisconsin. Another guy just threw through social media, reached out and so said, hey, like, dude, I'm a vet. If you need anything, need to chat. And he's called and say, like, hey, I'm having a rough day. So yeah. Okay, talk it out. Well, I was at your house that day. Yeah, yeah, he right. called. Yeah, so Super Bowl Sunday, whatever. But I'm just so blessed to be able to give back and yeah. help continue to help my veteran network and friends. And Bert, what, is, like, dude, what all is Sornex doing on that front? Because I know you guys have an event coming up you took some registration for because – Honestly, not you're not specific to to that particular cause, but mm -hmm. what to me what Sornex brings to the table is Sornex brings a nucleus of really freaking mm. rad people that come yeah. to a destination to where if people are involved with those activities, right, they meet people that honestly it would be really hard not to be inspired or or yeah. even. You know, even if you're a person that naturally is inspired, you're not you're not gonna go back home and freaking put on cruise control. Like if you go right. to something with yeah. those Some types of people, and yeah, yeah. That, and that, that's the thing. You're, you're, I mean, we're in the human performance space, right? But then when you kind of start looking and you go, well, all of this is human performance, whether it's archery, whether it was military, whether you know, and you go, and there's also always a streamlined hardship of of training that has to get someone prepared for that and we could all tie into that together and so when we started summer strong we're in our 14th year but when it came from all strength conditioning experts to bringing veterans in and bringing different people from different sporting backgrounds in, we kind of we realized there was a synergy 
because everyone had a mutual respect, but they didn't have a mutual competitiveness. Mm. So being, you know, you guys were team guys and, you know, although there's a brothership with team guys, you're not impressed by team other team guys because they're, they're, they're you guys. It's, they're your peers. But you'd probably have a really interesting conversation with a guy that won the gold medal in the shot put because it's something yeah. you haven't done. And it's like, and then you get talking and there you go, oh, you feel the same things I feel mm-hmm. getting out of that community and you struggle with the same things and you had the same adrenaline rush and yep. the same sacrifice and you do all this, yep. but you were throwing a steel ball and I was hiking in the mountains of Afghanistan strangely enough are really similar and maybe we could talk to each other and help each other and there's no there's just mutual respect and that that was kind of starting pull people that were different or seemingly different on the outside when you realize when you sit down everyone's very very similar because everyone is just high performers that wants the best and and doesn't mind sacrificing and then when you bring that together and so i've kind of joked i said you know sornex we sell steel rectangles and stuff like that but but really i see it more of as a social experiment because i i I see what could happen in a community if you do the right things for the right reasons so you know are we into the in the military space well i i didn't serve but i i I try to serve you guys and my company does but you know that's where i see the value of of what we're doing and that's what keeps me excited like we're, we're going to sell racks regardless we it's make a it lifestyle racks. right like yeah. it's, a, it's a lifestyle branding yeah with those those common people whether yeah. it's still after duty veterans or like you said like that professional level to become a professional that time sacrifice blood sweat and tears right yeah. and it's you're know, saying the same thing but like it's, you said you're selling you know, weightlifting equipment, yeah. but look who you're bringing yeah, together yeah. because yeah. you sell pieces of sharp like, metal. It's a tool. <laughs> right? yeah. I'm like, yeah. I'm not even a knife nerd. You know what I mean? I'm yeah. just an end user, yeah. but it's, it's so wild. Like the relationships that I've right. built and friendships I've built. I mean, people send pictures of their newborn babies to Kelsey all the time. It's just, a, I sell a knife. I sell a tool for people to use and the coolest relationships, friendships, like, yeah. you know, from you, Terry, you know, you like, it's all been through people. I know the networking, me wanting to create an end end user tool, but it's right. the, the lifestyle branding of the collective people who are attracted to each other and, and push each other, drive each other, and make each other better and support those oh, yeah. who and protect those who yeah. can't support the themselves. authenticity yeah. of what you guys do and who you guys are is what drives everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, your branding, but the brand is not about any one right piece mm-hmm. of part. It's the transparency the of the person and everything else. Yeah. there, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're, you're supporting. So good. You're supporting. Yeah. A, you're supporting someone you connect with. Yeah. And if that, as long as that transparency is there and you're not putting on a front to where, you know, radars yeah. go up, sure. then yeah, it's authentic. Others. And that's, everybody wants to be part of that. Yeah. I mean, heck, cool, like you said with your, you know, your Carrie, knife five years awesome, ago. Bro. Kids, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cord <laughs> cut so with a awesome, bro. <laughs> he did. It was awesome. He cut his kids' umbilical cord with his half face blade. <laughs> of course you did. Yeah. Kodiak, of course you did. Kodiak, five years ago, he just had his birthday, his fifth, and his umbilical cord was cut with his knife that Andy made me five years ago. Yeah. <laughs> that Damn. Rad. That's so freaking awesome. awesome. His first, first drop of blood was rubbed into the hand. You were the, the first one to do that. I've, we've since had five or six, you know, have a couple of videos. 
of uh, guys. No tomahawks. Yeah, I think that's. I'll wait till my, my kid comes out and hey, I'll don't come look in at me with a tomahawk. No more kids for me. Come on, Terry. No more kids. I'm How good. gnarly is my kid going to be though in college so when he has bad. a knife? They're like, "Where did you get that?" He's like, "Yeah, my uh, it, my my dad brought me into this world with this knife. Cut me, you know. Cut it. Cut me from my mother's nourishment to become a man, you know. And he's just going to grow a beard all of a sudden. Yeah. <laughs> it's he didn't come out with a beard. You know? But I mean, yeah. that's so rad. That then it becomes his knife, and then he gets. Mm-hmm. Then he uses a knock-on bow. And Terry's sure. guiding him, and he cuts it with a, yeah. you know, with his knife, and puts food on his table one day for his wife and kids with that same knife, you know, yeah. with the same experience, experience meeting good people. Full circle. That's freaking awesome. As long as he shoots better than me. He <laughs> 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 just claim, claims John's arrows. <laughs> I got to do his you got to claim his kid. You got to claim his animal. <laughs> That's my elk, John. Sorry. <laughs> All right, knock on everybody. Be sure to visit knockonarchery.com to see our entire line of trendy knock-on lifestyle clothing. knockonarchery.com